We have an exciting guest today. Her name is Melissa Center. Melissa is a playwright, a filmmaker, an actor, a singer, dancer. We worked together a couple of years ago, and I am having her on because something interesting happened recently, and we want to talk about it. Melissa, I want to get right into it. You are the author and lead of Marrying Jake Gyllenhaal. Can you talk about this project for us? It is a solo play with music. It has has been a, a certainly a labor of love for the past couple of years, inspired by my life and my mom's initial obsession that Jake Gyllenhaal is like my soulmate. So <laughs> what happened was I I was in a, a 10-year relationship that had ended and my mom just started sending me like newspaper articles and that she does that anyways, but like specifically about Jake Gyllenhaal. And then she kept sending me emails about him. And like anytime he was appearing on something, she would send me or anytime he was featured in a publication, she would send me. And I'm like, what is going like, what is this? Okay. You know, and it became like a thing. Like, so at first it was like, oh, okay, great. Like Jake Gyllenhaal is, you know, going to be on Ellen. All right. And then it would be like, Jake Gyllenhaal is most eligible Jewish bachelor. (laughs) And then like Jake Gyllenhaal um, talks about how he's ready to settle down and have a family and like like, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it it started off like kind of silly like that, but then she wouldn't stop and it went on and on and on. And, And I was living in Los Angeles at the time. The weird thing was, is as I was going on with my life, I would, I would be like one degree apart from him again and again and again and again and again. And not just with like industry friends. I mean, like in every walk of life, he would somehow enter my sphere. And so then it started to be like, what is this? It was too, too many times too weird that I thought I had to, I had to do something with this. And so initially I, I was in a writing class and I was like, oh, this is kind of like a fun rom-com idea. So I started to write it down and then, and then I set it aside because, because I had other projects that were like ready and producible that just I needed to make. And my experience in Los Angeles had a lot of challenges. And I think I, I got to a point where I was feeling rather depleted. And a girlfriend of mine invited me to a writer's group. And I came not knowing what I was going to work on because I, I had finished like a couple films. I was pretty exhausted and I just didn't have anything. But I thought, well, this is a good idea to, I don't know, a good excuse to maybe like get the creative motor going again. So I went to the group and something just like took over me and it was like, it is time. And this play, this, this story just started to come through me in the form of a play. And I was hearing songs and suddenly I was like, oh, you know, laughing for the first time. Oh, in a long time. And I read it out loud to the group and they're like, did you just come up with this? And I, and I said, well, the not concept, no, but like, yeah, the writing just started to pour out of me. And they're like, this is hilarious. I want to see it. So it really gave me confidence to keep going. I'm a big fan of creating your own content Yeah, because as, as you and I both know, auditions and the whole world has changed in terms of just going into a room and getting a job. So I feel like we have to create our own destiny. So yeah, yeah, keep going, please. So yeah, I had been on that track anyways, but really more in film and, and 
I, I think, you know, my, my foundation w- was in New York City, was on stage, was singing and dancing. And I just, my stuff had been so sad. Like my content had been a reflection of, you know, what I was experiencing at the time. And I was just like, oh my God. So this sudden, suddenly, you know, as I was writing this, it was starting to breathe life back into me. You know, to be fair, it's not just a funny story. Like it has a, woven into it a lot of really difficult experience that I had been through, but it was a new way, I think, of me acknowledging that. So I finish at least a draft rather quickly. And around that time, there was an event with Seed and Spark, which is a crowdfunding platform, a creative sustainability summit. And I signed up. I was like, you know, this is cool. (laughs) And um, one of the events was Mark Duplass, who, if you don't know, he's a He's a very successful indie filmmaker in his own right with his brother and a successful actor. He's on Morning Show, among other things, but like that is more recent, you know, the next season is coming out. Anyway, I've always really admired him. So one of the, like the big event of the day was he was going to be, three filmmakers were going to get to pitch ideas to him. So you had to submit something in advance. I, I really didn't submit anything. And then my girlfriend was like, just put something in. And I was like, all right. So I had actually submit, I had written a spec episodic for another uh, program, but it was kind of heavy. And I had written about half and then I was stalled on it. And it was about like inherited trauma. But I knew that uh, Mark was, he's very vocal about his own uh, dealings with depression and anxiety. So I thought, well, you know, maybe I'll just put the log line in for that. He he might have advice on like how to finish it, but it was super last minute. I put it in and then forgot about it. So the, I went, I go to this event and then coincidentally, my friend Angela, who had invited me to this writer group and one other woman, Monique, who was a member were there as well, but we didn't plan it. So we're like, Oh, Hey, and like we sit next to each other in the same row. And it's a really invigorating day, you know, hundreds of filmmakers in this like big auditorium. And then it's the, it's the Mark section. I'm under the assumption that they notified the filmmakers in advance. And I literally turned to my friends and I'm like, oh my God, I'm so glad. Like I would not, like I I wasn't chosen. I would not know what to say. And then they they announced the first filmmaker and everyone's like, yeah. And then they go, Melissa Center. And I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. And they're like, you've got this, go, go, go. So my heart is beating out of my chest and I go up on stage and they call a third filmmaker, Melanie, who oddly, it it was like this whole fortuitous thing. She was wearing this rainbow sweatshirt. We had been together on a women in film panel at Portland Film Fest, maybe a year or two prior. And she was, had been wearing that same like rainbow shirt then. So as we were like looking at each other, like what is happening? You know, the fact that we were both on that stage amongst tons of filmmakers was like wild. The first filmmaker goes, she's like so in it to win it and like on top of it and eloquent. And I'm just like, oh my God, what what's your show about? What's your show about? Like speak English. And thankfully I went second. So I had time to kind of regulate my system and think of something to say. So I, I something at least coherent came out of my mouth. And then I said, you know, I have to be honest, I've been really resistant working on this. And Mark looks at me and he, like straight in the eye, and I think he could feel it. So he's like, okay, knowing that, is there something that you're actually excited about? It just kind of blurted out of me. I'm like, well, you know, I actually happen to be writing this play. And I didn't think to talk about this play because he's a film guy. Everyone was there for like film, but I'm like, I happen to be writing this play. And they turned to the audience 
audience and I say, my mom is convinced I'm supposed to marry Jake Gyllenhaal. And everyone like cracks up and he's like, tell me more. And he literally jumps out of his chair and he's like, this is amazing. And so I go into the story and then I go into the, to like the underlying thing about it. This idea of this kind of, you know, I've had, I've, I've had a hard time and, and this idea of this like perfect person, right. Is planted in your brain. And so journey of like, oh, following that path and the kind of boy of like celebrity obsession and this idea that there's someone out there who can like save you potentially, but then, you know, that's a funky premise, right? Ultimately. So he just gets so excited about it and starts like acting out scenes with my mom. And then he's like, you know, you can, he suggested the narrative or the themes of the inherited trauma, like are welcome here in this, in this space too. Like there is something to be said about this concept and like the fact that it's coming from my mom and what is that say so I was like okay and then he's like part of the part of the whole pitch thing was very practical so he said you know what what are next steps for you and so I thought well you know this is a play this is a new play I was thinking you know a friend like a fringe would be an appropriate way to start and he's like that's a great idea um, this is a play and you should you should get a space and film it so that you have it. You can always do it on iPhones, which by the way, we got in our freaking goodie bags at the end. We got 11 Pro Max iPhones. They were like sponsors. I like literally cried. You have to understand coming into this event, I had a conversation with my friend, the one who suggested I pitched where I was literally, I don't know if I believe in like magic or dreams anymore. And then I was selected and I, and I'm getting like a little emotional where I pitched this thing. And, and I was also like struggling financially. And so I pitched this thing and like, everyone's excited about it. And so he tells me I have to film it. And I'm like, that's a great idea. I wouldn't have thought about that because it's a play. And then I there had been music in it that I had heard like existing songs to that I was kind of doing spoofs on, changing the lyrics. And I asked him about that. He's like, that could be really tricky. I think you should try to make it original. So so I was like, okay. So then I I went back to the revision and then the the sections were existing songs where I, I came up with something new. So all of a sudden I'm like writing songs my first time. But yeah, so at the end of the pitch, he's like, you know, on behalf of the sponsors or whatever, like we want to thank you. Here's a goodie bag. So I, we pulled out this iPhone. I like burst into tears because mine was cracked and like busted. And I, I just was so overwhelmed. And then there were these three books that were given like these art books, one of which said magic. So it was just like, you know, the universe. So after that, then people were coming up to me. They're like, oh my God, I bumped into Jake Gyllenhaal and da, 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 and all these stories. And I'm like, yes, of course, you know, and people were really supportive. And, and so I just had a lot of juju to move forward. So then I was like, okay, this is happening. <laughs> this fringe thing is a great idea. I happened to be looking, I, I looked up Edinburgh fringe because that's like, you know, the biggest. And I was just poking around what was going on at the time. And I learned that Jake Gyllenhaal was going to be in London on the West End doing Sunday in the Park with George with Anna Lee at the same time as the fringe. So I was like, this is happening. I'm going to bring the show to Edinburgh. I'm going to get a ticket to, to Sunday in the Park. I had done an episode of Masters of Sex with Annalie Ashford and her husband is dear friends with like one of my dear friends. So I'm like, somehow I got to get the information over to him. And like, this is a crazy story and like, I'm doing it. So I found my venue, got a place to stay, plane tickets, everything. And this was 2020. And so 
suddenly there was no Edinburgh. All this like momentum of the play was like, eh. and I'm like, and I was like, okay, how do I move forward? Everyone was, well, first of all, no one was doing anything. Everyone was freaked out right at the time. Like I was in my studio apartment in Los Angeles, like scared of being ill and barely left. So that was a whole kind of process. But then we were seeing creative stuff starting to emerge. I also was at that point, like I can't, there was no work, right? I'm like, I, I can't stress about work or lack of work. So I'm just going to let my creative self lead the way. There's like, that's the only way that I can function. And that became very illuminating and healthy for me. So I started to like, you know, create other things and I'm, what else was I doing? But that was good. And then people started to put stuff online or do the Zoom theater scene. And so I was strategizing with my colleagues of like, how do I move forward? And I'm like, I'm not going to do this play on Zoom. Like that is depressing. I was supposed to take it to Edinburgh. So wait, 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 wait. And then it was starting to be, the industry was starting to to figure out how to do COVID safe films. And so that those conversations were happening, we decided, well, maybe we can do this and live stream it. We had a connection to a space, the Pico in LA. They were really eager to just breathe life back into that space and, you know, friends and colleagues. And so they generously said, let's figure this out. So then I raised a bunch of money to put a full on production of it, but it was delivered via live stream, but we had three cameras. So it was switched in the live in the moment. So you could feel like you were watching a piece of theater. It was really the first theater show that was given to people in that way. And it was, you know, kind of skeleton crew, everyone spaced out, everyone masked, all all according to protocol. It was very scary for me. <laughs> it was very scary for me, but it was it was really thrilling and my musician, my composer Jamie Buxton and Ernie Bird was living here. He did all the orchestrations. So they both flew in from New York for this and I remember in the space, hearing the music, walking into the space, hearing the music for the first time. And I just tears of joy being in a theater space, hearing music that wrote lyrics to that Jamie so beautifully composed. And like, this is what my foundation is, you know? So it was like home. So we, so we filmed the play. It was very successful. We raised enough money through the seed and spark to put it all together and ticket sales for people who weren't able to, or didn't know about the crowdfund. We raised then additional, additional money to give to artist relief during COVID. So like a couple thousand dollars to some partners of, for artist relief. So that was also just really exciting. And it was thrilling for me to do this play. You know, it was, it was a risk, right? It was, it was live theater. I mean, to camera, which was weird, but there was no stopping and there was no cutting. Like I was doing this in the moment and the response was really, really strong. And then we spent the next several months, you know, I had the footage. So the next plan was to cut it together. So I had something, you know, that was usable. Um, That took a while. There were some challenges with that process, but that's a whole other story. But Ultimately, then I had something that I programmed into Edinburgh Digital the next summer because they had a hybrid festival. It wasn't going to be feasible for me to go in person, which is a shame because I know it was thrilling for people to finally be in in person. But I was able to program it digitally. 
the ticket sales for that were pretty decent, even though people were like over the digital stuff and like needing real life stuff, but they were pretty decent. And then I got some really amazing press. There's an article that was written about the show in Ms. Magazine. She just got it. It was just such a generous coverage of the show. And like in that publication was so awesome. So the article ran in Ms. Magazine, and then there was a like a similar one, but um, placed in Psychology Today. So it was like, okay, cool. Like, you know, legitimate outlets. And then some really lovely response from the some of the press people over at Edinburgh in those publications. And then I made the decision to move back to New York after 10 years in LA. I just, it was time. And so in coming here, I thought, well, I really, it would be great to finally do the show in New York. Like I'm from Chicago, but New York does feel like home to me. And I'm like, it'd be so great to finally do the show live, like in New York, where I feel like it belongs. And in coming here, there was some there were some new bits of information that I learned that I thought were very pertinent to my narrative that once I learned, I was like, I need to address this and weave this into my show to the through line of my journey. So I started to do a little revision. And then I, I needed to set it aside, I think, for a little bit because it was a lot and I was getting my feet back on the ground and I was putting it out there, but also everyone was like, theater is happening again. Like what we have all this backlog of stuff. Like I was, I was not having an easy time of necessarily finding the appropriate partners for next steps. So I'm like, okay, well pause, I'll put it aside. You know, when someone is a public figure, Mm -hmm. how do you talk about them without them suing you or whatever, like, because what you're saying is from the perspective of you and the fact that your mom is weaving this narrative about she picks a person for you. And it happens to be this individual, but it's not the real person. It's his public persona. Right? Yeah, that's a great question. And honestly, something that I was pretty unsure about. But I do know that Mindy Kaling right wrote that play that was in yes. to you know Matt and Ben and so other things existed that I was like okay I think this is possible um, and at, and I did have someone like a, a volunteer lawyer at the time just that I consulted just to make sure that the content of the play was okay and but to answer your question yeah I think if if you're there's like a if there's like a parody aspect to it it's it's considered okay um Also, if there is like, you know, like, um, what's it called? John Stewart or those shows and they show existing news things. Satire? Is it satire? Yeah, satire. So, so that is allowed, but yeah, I, I, I wasn't sure if he would see it, how he would take it. Certainly, you know, it deals with themes that end up being question marks to just behavior in general with men. And, and so that is something that, and maybe, maybe that's also part of the reason why I'm like scared to to keep going with it. But ultimately, as you said, it's not about him. It's, he's a kind of concept and fantasy, right. And vehicle for, for this particular journey. And mainly I feel like there's a lot of flattering moments in there. (laughs) Fun, funny, you know, so I don't know. Then you have to think like, oh, to be that person, the public figure, that's, that is, that's a wild 
position. The reason I reached out to you for this interview was I saw a notice on social media Mm -hmm. for a piece of work very similar to yours. And I was like, hold up, because I know you have been working on this project for several years. And it was almost like someone stole your idea. So let's talk about that. Like, what is intellectual property? Yeah. You said that you checked it out and there's nothing legally you could do, right? Do you think they had heard about your project or do you think that this is just a coincidence? And I just found it just so close for comfort when I saw their thing. And I was like, wait a minute, this is Melissa's show. With a different, <laughs> you know, and so I contacted you and I was like, hey, girl, have you seen this? And you were like, what? Yeah. And let's let's talk about that. Like you have spent the last couple of years. Yeah. Working on this. And here comes someone else. Yeah. And it looks like they have a production that's mounted. So that is going up off Broadway in July. Yeah. What the heck? Yeah. So I was uh, surprised and a little disturbed and a little furious at first. And because this is just how I operate, I think I'm like, actually, maybe this is a good thing because it is lighting the fire to finally do this show here live. I think I've been like easefully moving forward. Now, mind you, a couple of weeks ago, I was finally like, I think it's, I think I'm ready to start getting the thing rolling again. And so I read it out loud to myself at home just to be like, where is it sitting? What do I need to home through or hone or shift? It's in pretty good shape. And I I revised my press kit. I sent it out to a couple different people. So this was already starting to happen. And then you sent me that playbill notice and I'm like, so I I just wanted you to know, because if, if I had a piece and someone came and had the same piece almost, I would want to know. I just did know if you had seen it. Yeah, I hadn't. So here's the deal. The title is, you know, similar to mine, different celebrity. The actual storyline, this is, I think, a play, not a solo show. And it centers around, her centers around, um, centers my last name, Mm -hmm. (laughs) centers around like a junior high kid, maybe eighth grade, who's obsessed with Spider-Man and has some, you know, issues with her parents or maybe bullying at school. And so uses this as like an opportunity to be like, I'm marrying, you know, like the fantasy similar in a, in a way, but like this fantasy of like, I'm going to marry Toby McGuire. So I think kind of different enough that it doesn't seem like that was necessarily taken from mine. It's hard to say because you put something out in the ether and, and you might inspire people to think in certain ways, you know, so that could have happened. Also, it could just be coincidence because thoughts and ideas do hover in the ether to some capacity and they come to us and they're not, we don't, they don't belong to us ultimately, right? Now, this with my story is very specific because of, it's like actual, like it's like real. (laughs) I didn't make it up, right? In my mind. Yes, yes. Your mom really wants this to happen. (laughs) And so like I used it to, to, you know, make a story around. So that's like slightly different. So, but this, this playwright, I don't know, she's much younger and um, was exciting for her is that this is, I think her like a big debut. So it's could be coincidence of zero idea, but legally, yeah, there's nothing because you can't copyright a title and you can't copyright like a concept unless I see the play and I'm like, this section is taken verbatim or whatever from my experience, then then that's nothing. Now, what I thought was, okay, first of all, this is positive because it's forcing me to be like, okay, let's go, you know, and start to put pieces together to like, 
to do this. Um, and I'm like, you know, it's an interesting story because there, there is connection to our narratives. Maybe it's good for PR for both of us. Yeah. You know, maybe it can be turned into a fun story. Um, and Garner, do you have a New one. York publicist? Um, I, I don't, I have someone who, um, who I've, who worked with me for one of my short films, who I just reached out to, um, to consult, to, you know, just like, Hey, you know, what would you suggest here? And so, you know, she was certainly supportive and was in agreement that this could be like a fun story. Um, but that's something that I'm, you know, going to be trying to do some outreach on myself, just, you know, resources currently I have to like, wait, but yeah. So, so in the meanwhile, I'm, you know, reaching out to potential venues and, and I, I, I really would like some adequate support around myself and the show because I really self-produced the whole thing up until now. And so I think I'm ready to have some, like, you know, some additional support around that. And- What's a way for people to contact you? Because this audience, there's all kinds of theatrical folks who listen to the podcast and maybe someone has some money to invest. Wouldn't yeah. that be lovely? That would uh, be can lovely. You- can you give us your website or any, you know, your contact info? Yeah, um, sure. Or- yeah. So, I mean, my website is just my first and last name, melissacenter.com. I mean, there is, so there is a website for the play with a trailer on there, marrying Jake Chillenhall, the play.com. Um, so if someone wants just like more uh, basic information, they're welcome to visit that. And, and, and anyone can email me. Um, it's, it's, it's safe to say my email here, right? Yeah, of course. <laughs> It's just Melissa Center at Gmail. Um, yeah. So, and and I'm on socials like Instagram at Melissa Center. So I'm findable. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. Now, I, I wonder, like, I wonder, I'm sure he found out about your show. And I wonder if he was just like, this is cool. Or like, what the heck? I have so, no idea. Yeah. It's, it's just everyone asks me to because they're like, he has to have heard about this because it was, it was very much like in the ether and yes. Um, but I didn't hear from him or any of his people. So I'm curious moving forward might happen. I saw that production of Sunday in the park and he was quite fine in that. I was, yeah. I was surprised actually at how well he sang and that's yeah. a, that's a lovely piece of theater and it's one of my favorites. And I felt yeah. like, both he and Annalie did justice to it, you know, yeah. considering the icons who originated the oh roles, Mandy yeah. Katinkin and Bernadette Peters. Yeah. So I thought I was like, wow, great job. So, Melissa, I am so amazed and proud of your work. I think it's fantastic. And I'm excited to see what happens from all of this, all of this gardening in terms of planting the seeds of this growing this project and I think in the future too with whatever else you do the fact that you did this thing it will help propel you to the next project yeah it's certainly been quite a journey um it's still there's there's a lot of deep stuff connected to it that um yeah in this moment of time the universe is also like, it is time. Um, and I, it's like a mildly terrifying, but I'm also like, I, you know, no, this is, this is all really good. You know, you talk about 
your podcast bringing you a lot of strength. And it's certainly, I've felt the same in terms of making my own work and putting it out there and standing in that has been like an incredible gift. And I think pandemic too has been like, oh, you can hide a little bit in your, in your room behind the zoom and like, now everyone's emerging in a new way. And I feel like I'm kind of emerging in a new way and in a new, an old, but new town. Um, So I'm certainly excited and like very curious how this all unfolds. And certainly thank you for, I mean, not thank you for sending me that article, but like also thank you for sending me that because literally, I mean, literally it was like, like the match was lit. Um, and I'm like, there's no turning back. Um, so you certainly propelled me forward and just cool. Thank you. Well, first of all, I've seen, I love, I love social media. Some people hate it, but I love it because even when you lived in LA, I was able to see what you were doing and we worked together and we got along great. And so whenever your name pops up on my social media feed, I'm always like, oh, wonderful. And even though we don't talk to each other often, you're still in my circle, in my world. And so I knew you had this project. And then when that other project popped up, I was like pulled up and I felt very protective. I was like, no, no, this is not happening. They are not stealing her idea. Everyone has ideas, right? And everyone kind of uses things from each other. That's what artists do. We inspire each other and we propel each other forward. However, I didn't want someone to take all of your labor Mm. and, you know, get something out of it that uh, off of the work that you had done off of your back, basically, you know what I'm saying? So that's why I was like, girl, take a look. (laughs) But, you know, maybe this will be something that will turn into a good thing for you and you'll get your show going again and produce it. I honestly think it's everything is, is all for the best. Yeah. So, you know, and and then we will, we will see what comes of it all. Good. So thank you for your time today. I loved chatting with you. Keep in touch with me. Let me know what's going on. And audience, if you want to learn more about Melissa, please follow her on Instagram at Melissa Center. And the play is called Marrying Jake Gyllenhaal. (laughs) And Jake, if you're listening to this, check it out. Thank you, Melissa. The Showgirl Tip of the Day podcast has original music composed by Joshua Holloway. Find him on YouTube, Joshua Holloway Music. This podcast is written by Michelle Bruckner and edited by Michelle Bruckner and Joshua Holloway. Find me on Instagram, Showgirl Tip of Day. Thanks for listening. We'll see you again next week with a new episode. Sunshine.